0: Welcome to Great Photography. This is Daniel Sig. In today's episode, I am joined again by Hashim McAdam, an Australian photographer and filmmaker. We will discuss who are we creating for. I think that will lead us to talking about authenticity. And we will also review a book by photographer Ernst Haas. Hashim, welcome back to Create Photography. I look very much uh, forward to speaking to you today. Thanks, Daniel. It's good to be back. Good to talk to you again. Yeah, yeah. It's been it's been a little while. So you were one of the first first ones. Uh, episode three. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah.
0: So wonderful. All right. So so we discussed for today's episode we're focusing initially on the general question on who are we creating for uh, you know, our photography is it for ourselves, is it for others, is it for you know maybe a combination of, of, of both and we also kind of discussed towards the end we want to maybe jointly review uh, a book <laughs> together we haven't really, you know, um, practiced on that but I think it will be just a spontaneous discussion so I look forward to that as well but so, so so maybe let's start with that general question on who are we creating our work for? And maybe let me ask you, what who do you create your work for?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's such a difficult thing, isn't it? Even to ask ourselves and to, to wonder about others, because I think a lot of people primarily create for one uh, person or audience and then also have a secondary audience as well whether it's mm-hmm. creating for yourself for the enjoyment or because you're just trying to express yourself, which I think is you know, very primary to any art form. But then also it is, in fact, a storytelling method. When you look at photography, it's about telling the story, about expressing something that you have observed about the, the world surrounding you. So in, mm-hmm. in a way, you're always photographing for others as well. I think even if you are focused on, on doing it for yourself, Mm-hmm. so i don't think there's an easy answer but i think there's definitely a spectrum that you can lean towards and mm-hmm. uh and i think it's very relevant today in today's world of social media and how we often get stuck in a trap of maybe only trying to create to please others or to to gain things like instagram likes and whatever which i think would be cool to to talk about some point yep. in the podcast if you're interested
0: yeah yeah absolutely and no, I'd love to talk about it and and I think we should talk about that as well in, in, in much more deeper probably, but then also for today and and that was actually one of my questions um so a nice leading <laughs> into the social media <laughs> question you know so so what are some of the trends you've been seeing on on social media, you know whether it's Instagram or you know YouTube or other? other social media with, with regards to that topic of creating, you know, for others versus ourselves, or, you know, there's probably another way to ask that, that question, but I'm, I'm curious what you've been kind of seeing. Yeah. Well,
1: one subject that I see come up and that kind of uh, resonated with me a little bit was when photographers specifically, uh, I don't know if this could apply to other art pursuits as well, but when photographers make photos for other photographers, if that makes any sense. So it's almost mm-hmm. like you're trying to create photos that will impress other people that you're perhaps competing with and mm-hmm. almost <laughs> forgetting that there is a wider audience beyond that that may really only have a surface level interest in photography and doesn't care too much about the technical things or what's currently trending or the uh, you know technical aspects of what makes a photo perfect, whether it's in pixel sharp focus or whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> and i think that's a really interesting thing because i know that mm-hmm. for myself maybe i've kind of uh found myself falling into that trap mm-hmm. of uh wondering is this really just to please what other photographers think is good or is it something that i could show to to my mom or my friend or someone mm-hmm. who really knows nothing about the te- your technical side of photography and have them appreciate it because of some other aspect. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if you've experienced any of that. But, yeah, no, yeah, I think it's, no
0: it's a great point. I, I definitely experienced that as well. I mean, I tended to, even now, I, I really do not spend any time anymore on Instagram or very, very rarely just check it out. But I, when I spend more time, I, I definitely have a lot of people who are photographers following me and you know vice versa and I mean some of it is great too right you make you know you 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 make relationships you meet people you make friends and so forth and I mean that part you know absolutely and I think that that part is awesome but with regards to the creative process I I tend I totally agree with you I think that has been a little bit of a challenge and you know you really as you said too it resonated with me you know we're, we're sometimes we're doing it for other photographers but really we i mean i would say we should start with ourselves and kind of see is is it maybe the the other way to think about this and you know as i was preparing for for today's episode um i really thought about authenticity a lot and you know is it is that related to authenticity in other words um you know when we're creating for others is is there a risk that we lose authenticity Um, i think so mm -hmm.
1: yeah i think it becomes a bit of a regurgitation if that makes any sense where Mm -hmm. uh sure like there's nothing that's original so to speak but then how much of it is just purely regurgitating what is already out there for the sake of pleasing that that zeitgeist within the -hmm. community and um like I know, I uh, again, I've done it uh, maybe noticing that there's a certain type of photo that trends and sometimes it's subconscious. You don't even realize or it's the way you pose a model, the way you mm-hmm. use a certain focal length or whatever right. technical aspect. Right. And yeah, uh, I agree. Like create for yourself primarily or at least express some inner personal uh, message or aspect of your own way of seeing the world. Mm-hmm. And then if it happens to be similar to another artist that inspired you, that's fine. As long as the right. primary motivation is to tell your own story of, of the way you see the the world in whatever unique way that is. Right. And yeah.
0: Yeah. No, that's a good point. And, and you know, you raise another good point, right? More on the, on the positive side is the inspiration. So, I mean, inspiration, I think is a great thing. Yeah. And it, you know, the risk is, of course, that you, we might copy somebody in a sense. But you know, I think just using inspiration from from somebody else, I think, is is totally fine. But then, I think where it gets and I'm curious what your thoughts are. But I think where it gets problematic is if we're if we're really losing. I guess where we're losing authentic, authenticity, and then. We are really posting for you know getting these more likes, getting more follows, and kind of chase, <laughs> chasing chasing yeah. that that particular uh, thing. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, and uh, you know I'm sure there's a lot of famous photographers out there and and people who inspire many others. And then I don't know, like a good way to to give an example is sometimes maybe on a platform like YouTube or Instagram, there could be a certain trend of a certain style of photo or a way of color grading. And in the past, Mm -hmm. there might have been some kind of like trend within that. Or for myself, being in the world of film photography heavily, there could be a certain film stock a lot of people like to use for the same types of subjects. And it becomes a little bit repetitive because they're trying to compete with each other in a way. Mm -hmm. But then they lose sight of where these photographs are aiming to go. They feel a little bit more temporary. They don't have as much of a final aim because maybe um, some people don't work towards any larger body of work. And I think that's one good way to bring yourself back to your own uh, foundation and base and mm-hmm. um, and make sure you're you're creating for the right reasons. Even if you are, whether or not you're pleasing other photographers, that's fine to do, I think, as well. But don't lose sight of having some kind of internal message and end goal maybe with, with your photography.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that, those are great points, and you know another another question, you know, for you know, and we're asking this question right: Who are we creating for? And if we're thinking about somebody who's doing, let's assume she is doing this professionally, um, you know, in a way, right? Obviously, that person then is doing it for others, for the client, for the paid assignment, yet you're still somehow, you know, of course you're doing it for self. with regards to, you know, the, the ultimate, you know, you, it's, it's a profession, you get paid for it or, or you're semi-professional, whatever. But, you know, that's where I think it gets also really interesting, you know, how is it there to be still, can you still be authentic doing that type of work? <laughs> or, yeah, you know, um,
1: yeah I, think, I think so. I think it's about balancing It's a balancing act of uh, going back and forth. And for a lot of professional photographers, the personal work is sometimes funded by the paid work Mm -hmm. and vice versa. And uh, Mm -hmm. you still get to express a little bit of your personality when doing the paid work. For myself, it might be weddings, for example. I have a certain style that could be influenced by the way I shoot documentary and street photography could be my Mm -hmm. way of composing the way I react to situations, the way the focal Mm -hmm. lengths I use. So it does come through. And uh, your example of the professional photographer, I think is an interesting one because I wanna clarify what I was talking about before of having an an end goal. I don't think it has to be that you have a very uh, large end goal in terms of being a professional. That could be as simple Mm -hmm. as just documenting your life. or or your family (laughs) or or whatever it is. (laughs) So even if that's the aim is you just enjoy photography for the sake of capturing moments in your life or what you see or your garden, whatever it could be. That's Mm -hmm. a goal in itself. That's fine. And you never have to be a professional, but then you are really shooting for for yourself uh, primarily. Mm -hmm. But as a professional, I think, uh, and this will be great when we get to someone like Ernst Haas later on. Mm -hmm. It is about that balancing act because I think you need both sides. It's the the yin and yang kind of thing where the personal work can be fueled and complemented by taking on
0: assignments maybe and then vice versa. Right, right. Yeah, th- those are great points. And, you know, as I was, you know, thinking about this again for today and, and you know, maybe over, over the last few years as well, I think it's, you know, the ultimate might be, right, for somebody who is doing this, either semi-professional or professionally that hopefully you do get picked for your unique voice your unique you know however you express yourself in with with your photography um you know which obviously relates to um the the personal work as well very much right yeah yeah okay so so i guess just going back to the Social media trap, (laughs) which often could be Instagram, right for the photographers. Um, So, so I think I I would assume it would resonate for many, for 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 many of us, for many of the listeners to you know to kind of chase those likes, chase those follows, and so forth, and really think about you know when you even when you're photographing, you're thinking about oh, I'm going to post that on Instagram tonight or tomorrow or something like that, or so. What what are some of your thoughts around getting out of this kind of mindset? <laughs> what how can we yeah. get, you know, free ourselves from that a little bit? Because I do think it's not. Mm. I mean, as 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 great as Instagram can be for many different reasons, right? as we discussed, I think that, that that part I I still feel like can be dangerous or at least counterproductive.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's a good good question, Daniel, and I think um I obviously don't have the answers in any complete way, but for me, the way I see it is I agree with you in that social media, including Instagram, is, is really a good thing in a lot of ways, and it has a lot to offer. It really has helped photography flourish over the last decade, and it can be a great place for you to just put your work out there, even if it's just for yourself to look at and to engage with other like-minded people to get uh, commentary maybe, which I don't know if you get as much these days. Uh, but there is a dangerous side, which is just getting stuck in the intentionality aspect of it. Like you said, you're taking a photo with Instagram in mind, like knowing that, who I can't wait to post this. It's going to be uh, you a know, popular shot. People are going to like it because the similar photo that I posted last time got a lot of likes. Mm-hmm. Or maybe <laughs> this other guy, he posted this photo and my one's even better. And like, you know, you don't probably think these things in an overt fashion, but it could be a subversive, like um, yep. subconscious thing in the back of your mind. Yep. And, uh, you know, one good way I think to avoid that is to to be working towards something for yourself, mm-hmm. even if you are going to post to Instagram. And this is what I do. This is my approach. Uh, I might, I post a lot, you know, maybe a few photos a week at least, mm-hmm. but they aren't Uh, All of my photos, because I shoot a lot, uh, I just post just to keep engaged, to kind of put some of the work out there, to get a feel for it, to look at it, to engage with other people and get maybe an idea of what is working and what isn't Mm -hmm. in terms of other people's opinions. But then again, that isn't the most important thing. And uh, what I do is also work towards some kind of series if I can. In uh, one -hmm. example, I had uh, like a little zine that I was working on that I released last year. And I really didn't post many of those photos on social media at all. I think maybe one or two of them when I was still kind of discovering it. And uh, what I did is I finished that project and printed it. And then I Mm. put it out to have its own life as a printed body of work, which I think is really good. And then that's what I'm doing currently. There's a bunch of photos that I save aside for this other series I'm working on. And then maybe the outtakes and other shots that I just happen to take uh, will end up on Instagram. And I think that's a good way for anyone out mm-hmm. there to to make sure you're not getting stuck in that trap because then you have this right. separate world for Instagram.
0: Right, right. Yeah, that's that's a great point. And, you know, speaking of something that you mentioned kind of leads a little bit into my next question and that's the whole issue around comparisons so you know we're when we're posting we are on instagram you know we're looking at others and you know again we're unfortunately we're looking at the number of followers and all that stuff we're looking at what they're posting so so naturally right we like to compare ourselves to others Um, and what what are your thoughts about that? I mean, you know, again, you know, for inspiration, as we discussed, I think that can be a good thing. Do you think there's, there are there any pitfalls with that? I mean, is that something that could demotivate us too, or just kind of, should we even compare ourselves to others?
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, this is really topical in today's society. And, you know, I think that we shouldn't, but it can't be helped. And I'd mm-hmm. like to say that it's as easy as just don't do it. But it's not. It's just the nature right. of the world we live in. And yep. I think um, and it, it's more ways than just Instagram, I'm sure, and photography within that. People have a tendency now to just be completely exposed to, to everyone and everything all the time. Instant access to information and to the lives of others makes it really hard. And I can understand and sympathize with people who kind of struggle with that uh for myself i'm I guess I'm lucky in that I've never gone too far, but I have experienced it, and an example mm-hmm. of that I guess would be uh you know you're, you said as a pitfall would be looking at how many likes someone else got on a photo, or maybe you, you put something out there and uh you've only gotten a lot less than you thought you would mm-hmm. and then it makes you think, oh, is this not good enough even if um again it's a subconscious thought that can build up for a lot of right. people or are even here maybe uh some Friends talk to me about it. They're like, you know, I, I just, I want to give up on Instagram. I'm not, you know, loving, I'm not getting engagement. I made a separate profile that I don't follow anyone on just to kind of post for myself. And then mm-hmm. I'm wondering, well, why don't you do that anyway with your one? Use it yeah. as like a <laughs> pin board. That's really what I think right. it, it's good for. Like, you know, how mm-hmm. traditionally you would put prints up on a, a metal board or like yep. pin them up on a corkboard, So you can look at them, reflect back on how much you've grown. Um, and then the the likes should be a bonus. And that's how I started to treat it. I do notice sometimes I'll put up a photo that I thought, this is great, I loved, you know, this moment. (laughs) And that hardly gets any engagement, but it it doesn't affect me. I'm just like, well, that's fine. This will work as part of a series maybe, or it still connects with me in some personal way. And then some other photo I'm expecting to be, you know, rather unpopular will get all this commentary. Like, oh, that's so cool. And I'm wondering why? Is it because it was like a cool, you know, let's say it was a night shot with fluorescent lights or or it was shot on some popular film of a very <laughs> cool subject, maybe. Right. So, yeah, at the end yeah. of the day, you shouldn't let it affect you too much, right. uh, but it's difficult. It is really difficult, I think, for someone yeah. whose mentality uh, is predisposed to, to that sense of insecurity about their work, which is really common. It's really normal mm-hmm. for any artist, but it's just too, a question of how much is that affecting you?
0: yeah yeah and it it might be just human nature right that we even if we're you know highly proficient in in a certain maybe we're you know whether it's in an area of photography or something else but i think this self-doubt might be something that just keeps coming up and creeping up every so often anyway and and i think Maybe instagram is is one of those platforms where it's just <laughs> it can yeah. just amplify things a little bit, <laughs> yeah, I think
1: so, I think so because the other <laughs> <laughs> because photographers from decades ago didn't experience that, you know, like yep. they would have to buy a book and read about something in a newspaper yep. about what another photographer is doing, and that was probably work from from a year ago, <laughs> so I yep. can't imagine someone yep. like Alex Webb discovering that. Uh, hold on there's this photographer on the other side of the world doing the same work as me maybe I should change things up and and, and yep. play with his mind but he he didn't he just did his thing right. and then there might have been a bunch of other photographers who shared some similarity but then they weren't as aware of each other even if they were contemporaries things weren't the exposure to what other people mm-hmm. are doing how they look what they're using all this sort of stuff it was uh not primary. In their mind in their world like in terms of exposure but yeah yeah i don't know daniel what what would you say is a good (laughs) solution to that if anything because uh you'd mentioned that uh you you hardly use instagram anymore and i think yeah and, and
0: i and i also want to make clear i'm not advocating that that's what you know i always say that there shouldn't be rules and there's certainly not a rule or any any anything like that about that particular aspect either i think i just can say from my personal experience i like a little bit like yours right it i think i I did actually um when i was thinking about this more and it also had to do with you know obviously working on the podcast and talking to a lot of photographers about this topic that kept coming up um quite a bit and thinking about it a lot and i started to monitor my time on it too and and i was actually shocked um, mm-hmm. with, you know even though i didn 't even think I would spend that much time and then actually saw that it was significantly more so and then I just got also too busy i mean part of it was also i was just i didn't i was just too busy uh for my personal work so or for my actual work, not the photography work so for yeah. my day job um and so yeah i it, th- that said i think if if you are if you do feel like that you're really Maybe photo that's just a thought, but if you feel like you're doing it just for, you know, the likes and the follows and really not for as you said, something that maybe has a little bit of a threat or a purpose maybe beyond that, beyond this Instagram account, which you know we all have we have to be aware of that. That that can go away. I mean, we, we don't even own it. Yeah. So, you know, um that's kind of where I I felt like it would be good for me personally to focus on things that is my own, like the own website or a podcast, or as you said, a zine. I love those types of things because that's just the stuff you, you fully yeah. control and you, you know, you can do with it whatever you you like to do. And, and I think that to me, at least for, for my, for my personal experience, I think gets me gets me more in the right direction (laughs) but Mm -hmm. that said you know i i I don't want to say like you know i would never say like you know oh social media is bad or you shouldn't be doing that or you know because there's all these benefits too and that you know it's just as you said i like what you said a lot it's like the balance aspect i think it's just yeah yeah i think it's just very important as well well that's a good point again that you ended
1: on about the, the benefits of social media because it made me realize that i think that's what a lot of photographers in today's world enjoy the most even if they don't realize it they actually thrive on the social aspect of photography maybe their grounding in photography wasn't like yours and mine where it was purely just almost a mechanical thing like for me growing up um, you know I was born in the 80s but grew up in the 90s so there wasn't digital yet and cameras were just a tool and I didn't really have any artistic knowledge of photography it was just something where you take the camera you make photos you wait a few days and you Um, you get the prints back and then it became artistic for me later. Whereas in today's world, people are born into it through things like Instagram and what they really enjoy is the the, the social aspect. They enjoy mm-hmm. the feedback and the likes. Yep. And even yep. if, let's say, Instagram has gone downhill in that aspect, maybe Twitter is now popular for photography and people like to yep. go on there, put their photos, mm-hmm. comment, give each other praise and criticism. Yep. Uh, but in reality... Maybe photography for them isn't uh, something that goes much more beyond that. They never really had an interest in creating a book or a zine or anything else, but they right. see it as a, a social thing. It's like you know you might join a social club about whatever it is playing a board game or something, and yep. and really it's all about that um, socializing, kind of like playing an yep. online video game. Yep. I don't know if th- this sounds weird but it makes yeah, me wonder yeah, no, if, if that yep. is an mm-hmm. aspect of photography these days.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah, and, and again I think if 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 there are genuine and perhaps authentic relationships that are coming out of, you know, those engagements, I think that I think that's wonderful, right? Yeah, I mean it yeah, could be yeah, your, yeah. you know you meet like like we met kind of via that realm right and youtube and and eventually you know well got to know each other and talk to each other and so and you know i mean that's you know that so that part i think is wonderful and so absolutely yeah and and that's um,
1: a very traditional way i think to meet someone is through common interests and and in fact i met my partner sarah through photography Hmm. uh that was what came first and then the relationship came later and that's something that i'm sure you know even growing up as kids it could be as simple as like hey you like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles so do I let's be friends and (laughs) who really cares about the cartoon it's just about um the socializing so you know I guess you're right is that we can't really demonize um any side of that spectrum of shooting for yourself or for others but it is an interesting topic uh, yeah for sure nevertheless
0: yeah it's very interesting and and before we you know before we move over to Ernst Haas (laughs) um I want to quickly touch on what you mentioned with your zine, if we can talk a little bit more about that, because it, sure. it ties nicely with, you know, as you know, we had Daniel milner on a couple. I had him on a couple times. Love talking to him. Love listening to him on his YouTube. Uh, he's so knowledgeable. Great yeah. perspective. I think on, you know, including like something that you said as well. What resonated with me, you know, there may be an image that, in its. When we look at it in isolation, we feel like, well, you know, it, it's okay, right? It it wouldn't be the Instagram hit, you know, whatever. Yeah. But if you if you put that in a in a great story and it's just part of telling that story, it's fantastic and it just belongs there. So, so I think th- thinking that way, I I love working. You know, I used to love working in series, still do. So I think that's another. It's just another way of thinking about it, and of course you can do that on Instagram as well clearly um so so but um anyway curious to hear more about your zine and kind of you, how was your you know how was your process how was how, how did it all how did you do it i guess and what what was it about
1: <laughs> yeah well uh i definitely agree with you with what you're saying about daniel milner and the expanse of knowledge he has when it comes to to printing and what he mentioned i think i listened to that podcast and he said something about the single image, sometimes it's, uh, I don't know which word he used, but it's kind of like it was a filler, but it's mm-hmm. not really a filler. It's just to carry the rest of the the story. And on its own, it doesn't feel as strong. So definitely uh, agree with that. When it came to my zine, it was kind of born out of a sense of discovery of just pure experimentation. It was myself walking around in this local shopping strip, just really admiring the, the shop fronts, the facades, the worn out. Uh, shop fronts that were decades old kind of stuck in this era of maybe 70s and 80s hmm. uh, you know very sun uh soaked mm-hmm. part of the suburb I lived in because of the way it was running from east to west the sun would always hit either one side of the the shop the street or the other and it was just somewhere I used to take daily walks and spend a lot of time and I thought hey let me bring a camera and just take photos of this great light hitting something as simple as like the worn out paint on the front of a shop mm-hmm. or something like that. <laughs> and then it just became something that I thought uh, this could be a series in itself. I, I like mm-hmm. documenting this. I like trying to challenge myself because it was something a little bit different for me. It was, uh, if you've ever taken a look at it, it's, um, it's called the Dried Strip. So I guess anyone listening can um, find it on my website. There's some example photos there, cool. but it's quite abstracted something that I wanted to challenge myself with because I didn't do much of it. And we talked about Instagram earlier. It's quite different to any of the photos I post on Instagram for at least the majority of it. Mm -hmm. And even though it's street photography, there's hardly any presence of people in it. So it was more Mm -hmm. about focusing on light and form and texture and color. And uh, yeah, it was really fun. It was something I would definitely recommend. And it was just a matter of continuing to shoot uh casually in this area over the period of actually maybe two or three years Hmm. and it was really something that I just had always on the back burner and then finally started to print and edit the the work which was slowed down a little bit by the pandemic but eventually it came to life and and I felt really good about it you know whether or not I sold Mm -hmm. (laughs) many copies (laughs) and I'm really grateful that I actually have sold what to me is a considerable amount of copies
0: that's great
1: uh but I feel really fulfilled from that and got really excited to work on the next thing. Mm-hmm. So I think that's another good reason to anyone listening. If you've never done it, you don't need to hear it again, but you know, print your work, put it together into some yep. kind of booklet, even just a simple yep. cheap, even if it's just one copy, just do it. Did you uh,
0: just technical question? Did you just a uh, couple of things? First of all, I know you love film, I'm curious, was it film? And, and number two, Did you use any of the, you know, blurb or other similar platforms? Or how did you go about the the printing process?
1: Uh, Yes, it it was shot on film. This particular zine, it was all done on the same film stock, which I enjoyed for the sense of consistency. And if anyone curious, it was Kodak Color Plus 200. And it was all done on the same camera because I shot this very casually. I just had this one camera always sitting on the shelf that I would grab anytime I went to walk through this area Mm -hmm. and, um, I would shoot it all on that. As for printing, I did a test copy initially on Blurb Mm -hmm. and uh, the quality was actually quite great. But because I live down here in Australia, I found that the shipping cost was a little bit, it would have been too expensive to to print in Mm -hmm. bulk. So I found another company called Mixum, which was initially based in the UK. They opened up uh, a subsidiary company here in Australia where they subcontract local printers. But with the same, you know, easy to use online interface, and maybe they subsidized the price because it actually worked out quite well. So I printed it through Mixam locally. I think I did a run of two hundred ish copies, and uh, yeah, I'm quite happy with uh, with the result from that, considering oh, it was awesome.
0: sort of a low cost zine. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, no, no, it's great, and I, in fact, I, I just. Um, Maybe inspired by again talking to Daniel Milner, I just put together some. It wasn't like as I guess as planned out as maybe your your project, and but I I just ordered a I did some MacCloud projects just for myself um, yeah. that that I'm actually waiting for. I'm expecting them this week. Just you know little booklets of of a couple of kind of projects, mm. architecture, and some other things that. Some some a little bit of street photography, just for fun to see how it looks and feels, and you know n- n- probably not going to do much more with it at the at the moment, but you know even that I think it's it's a fun thing to do for sure, yeah, you know, I've actually
1: uh, have the the Mac cloud website open on one of my browser tabs because (laughs) i've been meaning to to actually try them out as well because i I like to try different printing options and just to get an idea and yeah they do seem quite cheap and the shipping to australia is reasonable okay so i might do a working copy of my current series um and and same as you it's really might not end up being anything uh, but it is nice to see it in printed form
0: yeah it's it's um yeah so unbelievably inexpensive actually at least in the u.s i mean you can get i think i try remember what i paid but like a few dollars literally and then you know i did two projects like four dollars and one is for another four and then but of course only one copy each and then the shipping but um yeah, not, you know, not a ton of pages, but I I think even if you have more pages, if you do like s- some sort of a magazine or there's another format that I forget that might be even cheaper. But um, yeah, it's it's great. I, I've, I've done it once before with a really small format to just carry around and, you know, just in case I get stopped on the street, I can yes. show it to people. <laughs> yeah, that, that's um, what I need a copy yeah. <laughs> for
1: because I had that last time and this time I'm getting deeper into the series and it is actually involving people sometimes a lot okay. of photos of people so it would be good to at least have it as a you know and this is also inspired by daniel milner as a okay. way of explaining <laughs> yourself because yeah i don't think many people are interested in seeing you pull out your phone and show them instagram as much right. as right pulling out a book which gives it a greater yep. sense of legitimacy yep. it's easier to see it makes yep. it look like you're actually more serious about what you're doing yep. um and i think it's a really good idea if you are someone who does shoot a lot of street or around yep. people.
0: Yep. How is it then, just cu- out of curiosity, um, I, you know, when I talk to different street photographers, especially across the world, uh, literally, um, the, you know, the, re- the rules and regulations are, are definitely not consistent between yep. the different countries and geographies. Um, what? How is it in Australia? How is it? Is it very strict or do you need, permission or how do you go about that in australia as far as street photography goes
1: it's legal for you to take photos in a public space so if it's other people in a public space um there's no right to privacy in that public space okay so i think uh it's just a matter of exercising a sense of kind of um etiquette more than anything because you can still Obviously, annoy someone or someone yeah. can take something the wrong way, and yep. it's really important to know how to to handle that and not get too aggressive, and just say, "Well, no, I have every right to take your photo from
0: <laughs> two
1: yep. inches away from yep. your face, or whatever it is you might have done." Yep. Um, but I've learned through experience that it's best not to get too defensive, and um, because Australia, uh, it it's pretty good with street photography. People aren't too likely to to get too uh let's say angry or whatever but some people do and it's just Mm -hmm. because of the world we live in and there's all this like exposure to the internet and they worry about what you're going to do with the photo and oh sure sometimes i get people thinking i'm from the council or from the police or something (laughs) especially in this day and age i've had that like uh Mm -hmm. it's a sense of surveillance yeah whereas they don't even consider the fact that someone would just be doing this for artistic purposes. To them, it's mm-hmm. bizarre. Like, why? <laughs> why are you taking my photos for, right. <laughs> for artistic reasons? I'm just trying yeah. to enjoy myself. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And, and I found in other countries, for example, in, uh, let's say, Nepal or, mm-hmm. or Bangladesh, some of the countries I traveled to mo- most recently before the pandemic, 2018, people are, you know, they, they're much more open to it, they're even more friendly. Mm-hmm. So, like, in Australia... It's pretty good. I think it's all right. And I've heard in countries like Germany or in other places people are a little bit more strict and even the mm-hmm. law is more strict, so you have to exercise yep, more correct. caution. So yep. I think it's a middle ground here. People are if you're mm-hmm. friendly and you approach the situation right, it's it's not bad. I think mm. it's um a good place to shoot street.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, cool. Well, I think let's let's transition to Ernst Haas for a moment. Um and I I have a let me say a few words and then, but before I do, have you covered him in, in your YouTube, on your YouTube channel? Um, I have not. I
1: don't think, okay. no, because okay. I, I do share books on the YouTube channel on a regular yep. basis. And yep, I, know I might be yep. wrong, but I don't think I've shared his okay. Pass, even though I have two of
0: his books. Um, okay.
1: I've mentioned him in passing, but that's yep. about it.
0: Okay. I just want to make sure in case um, you do, we would obviously, we could, we could have linked to the show notes, but we'll link to your channel anyway because it's it's great. And you know, people who are especially interested also in film photography, I think, will will definitely enjoy well, enjoy you. it. And 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 you're uh, yeah, and you're talking about street photography, street photography books, and, and so I think it's a great I think it's a great place for people to visit. So so we'll do that uh, regardless. So okay, Ernst Haas. So so for, for our listeners who want to learn more about more about Ernst Haas. Um, Episode 16, actually, of this uh, podcast was focused on him. Um, So it's a short episode where I just, you know, went over the basics with him. So it's com forward slash episode 016. And just a few words about Ernst, and then we'll, we'll dive into talking about the book a little bit that we picked. So So Ernst was, I think, one of the most influential photographers of the 20th century. He was born in Vienna, Austria, in 1921. Um, He joined Magnum in 1949, and he moved to the U.S., to New York City in 1951. And that's actually when he started to experiment with Kodachrome color film, sort of the very famous and very slow, so low ISO film. Um, If... If our listeners want to see a good sample of his work, so one one option is to just go to ernst um, Haas, com. and um that's you know has has really a lot of his work that gives gives you guys a good good idea. Um so his work spans abstract photography, intimate nature photography, travel photography, motion and portraiture. And I would say, of course, also street photography and in that sense, although back then maybe that wasn't a show or anyway. But so that's just a quick, you know, a couple words about him. And so, Hashim, I want to ask you uh, <laughs> we both like him, but what, what do you like about, about his work? What do I like about Ernst Haas? <laughs> wow. Uh,
1: he's got actually quite a variety of styles, you know, because he did transition to color, like you said, to Kodachrome after the, the, you know, the second world war roughly. And that was, I think in the sixties when he really started to get experimental with it and doing that, that motion work that you mentioned. So a lot of Mm -hmm. uh, that, uh, stuff that we'd be seeing in the New York and color book that we both have would be some of the stuff I like the most where he, he shot those really abstracted images. And for, for you, I know you really like Saul Leiter as well, where mm-hmm. he might be using a longer focal length, really layering a bunch of different uh, elements in a scene, different colors, different shapes, and creating a really abstracted composition out of something that would be seemingly ordinary. Um, and just the great eye for color mm-hmm. and, and that painterly quality that results from from combining all those techniques. But then he also had a lot of great shots of candid moments, uh, like more photojournalistic reportage stuff. I even admire his black and white work from the uh, Austrian, I think, prisoners of war returning from Russia that you wouldn't see in this book, but you know, he's he's done that ever since the 40s. But yeah, I'm a great admirer of his work. I think he's just amazingly skilled and he, he definitely seems to have an artistic eye that a lot of the greats do i don't know if maybe his parents were artists or he had a background in painting maybe yeah. you would know but uh yeah
0: i love his work yeah, i don't sure. remember that that's a great question i know he was originally supposed to go to med school and then because of his jewish heritage he was not he was not able to and so that's what in part got him down that path which <laughs> maybe was mm-hmm. a good thing but um yeah i don't know uh, about his that's a good question about his parents but yeah, that's a great um, that's a great description. Um, and so, so maybe for our listeners, I'm going to just quickly mention the book that we're, we we want to you know briefly discuss to to kind of wrap up our discussion today. Um, so it's called Ernst Haas, uh, New York in Color, 1952 to 1962. Um, I I think it's a fantastic <laughs> a, a fantastic book. Um, beautiful pictures he's as you said um he he experimented with with motion blur um a very abstract you know street scenes that uh, really painterly i mean you describe i think you you kind of summarized the book already we could probably wrap up now but you really <laughs> did a nice job of, of kind of summarizing his his work um where you know you feel like some of these pictures could just be in a modern art museum, um, yeah. which they probably are, but whereas some of them are, as you said, you know, really candid, interesting street scenes, like even the, the picture on the, <laughs> maybe we'll describe that jointly together, the picture just on the front, um, which is kind of a, I don't know if you want to take a crack at that. <laughs> um, uh, if you have it, I think you have it on, you know, with. Uh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, cover yeah, photo, the kids yeah, sitting The on color the car. photo with the guy yeah. on the, Very famous Yeah Um,
1: Yeah That's that's quite a candid moment, isn't it? And it's something that you can imagine An an equivalent of this scene today Being just as as worthwhile to capture And I guess my description of it would be Like a really young, well-dressed teenager Just sitting Mm -hmm. on the front of uh, a beautiful car It's a Plymouth something And he's reading a book And he's just got Mm -hmm. this great little hat on and to the framing and the background with the little neon sign, which really adds a beautiful pop of color on this, uh, otherwise kind of more of a monotone look to the image, a lot of white and dark blue and black. Yeah. So I think, um, something as simple as that (laughs) inclusion of that neon sign really adds to it because there's a little bit of red inside the car as well. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's just a beautiful moment. It makes you wonder what would the equivalent of this kid look like today, yeah. sitting on, on on one of today's that's, vehicles. Yeah, very different.
0: Yeah. That is a great. I mean, just because obviously the car is, you know, now it would be an antique, right? We would see yes. an antique road show. Um, but you're right. Yeah, you did a great job describing it. I mean, it's also interesting how the car is similar. Well, in some ways similar, you know, like that. The, it's a white car, and so the, the, the young gentleman has a white shirt, and the hat is also mm-hmm. white with the black rim, kind of a black rim, I guess. Yeah, and, yeah. And so it's kind of like that, that whole, which I actually haven't thought about it earlier. I just thought more about the scene, but now that I'm looking at it, it's just like everything works in this photograph. It's just yeah. like... <laughs> yeah it's almost too fantastic. good to be true right like you yeah it's almost too yeah it's on. like i almost <laughs> feel like maybe did he ask that guy to sit on, the, yeah, on yeah. the car and and so it's I wonder, just a great scene um, and what's amazing is
1: that this car was probably nothing too special back then yeah but i wonder if maybe the the way that this kid was dressed because he kind of reminds you of someone out of the blues brothers or something like yeah, that yeah yeah totally <laughs> like even everything as simple as the tie he's wearing and the buttons on the collar there's a little pin on his tie impeccably dressed you know with this with these cool sunglasses that i think yep. in the 50s when he was uh photographed here he probably did stand out and that's what uh got Ernest Haas's attention
0: yeah <laughs> at, at least i yeah, think but that, that's the sure. beauty of
1: photography you make your own interpretation
0: yep yep yeah yeah let's look let's look at one one other one it's on page 94 um and it's 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 in the definitely the abstract um, category it's actually called window reflections 1962 mm-hmm. so it's it's a maybe i'll trade i'll take a quick crack yes, at describing it, it. So, so it's very abstract it's it's basically um a high rise that's apparently reflecting um, the buildings across presumably um, he's kind of shooting up but you know, not straight up, so we don't see any sky, but we see the, you know, the structure. If I see that correctly, we see the kind of the structure of the window and we see obviously the reflections. Um, But, you know, at first sight, you probably don't know exactly what you're looking at. As you're looking a little more, you kind of start, okay, so I think I get it. But it's still, I would say, very abstract, very textured. And just, you know, again, I think just that... Simple composition in some ways, but uh, you know, has some texture to it. It has, um, you know, a nice color palette, which actually I love. Generally, he has that throughout, I think, the book. That's as you said already, you summarized that nicely. He's got that color palette. Um, here it's, it's a little dark in here, but I see blues and you know, maybe some tans. Really beautiful color palette, too. Um, yeah, just another. Yeah, what do you think about this one? <laughs>
1: I think it's beautiful. I think it's uh, it's something that any ordinary passerby mostly wouldn't pay much attention to. But someone who is a keen observer, like a lot of photographers tend to be. I can see why you like this because it's quite architectural in a sense. Yep. <laughs> um, it's a great image. And what I what I really admire is his ability to use what looks like would have been a, a telephoto lens to yep. really take this tiny cross-section of what might have been a huge building and just cut that little slice out and create what looks like almost, again, a painting. And what uh, draws my eye and is most interesting is the the way the reflection renders. It's got that, what would you call it, like a refraction where it looks wavy almost like... Yeah,
0: yeah. really interesting.
1: It's like you're looking through a water tank almost in in some parts (laughs) of it. Yep. And that's what really, I think, makes it something special is that there's a variety of different refractions and reflections yep. and shapes within there that uh, whether you squint and look carefully or you decide to kind of look from far far away,
0: this could stand yep. and, and look different to anyone. Yeah. Um, the, is there one that kind of, as you're as you browsing through this book, is there one that you kind of… One of your favorites or just something that really resonates with you or you can kind of... I'm
1: sure there is <laughs> in the
0: few times I've looked through this book. I remember one of the
1: taxicab ones was one of my favorites, but there's this, you know, quite a few. It's hard to single one out. Yep. Yep. Um, but it was just the back of some bright taxi cabs, like they were yellow and red. I'm trying to flip through the book at the moment. Oh, is it. it
0: wonder I wonder if it's the one on page 143 i just found another Let's one that's... See.
1: yes that's the one okay yeah, yeah. and again there's a it. reflection of a building yeah. <laughs> and the way the, the book is sequenced for anyone listening is actually amazing because the photo he puts on the left side is another cross-section of a building similar to the image we just talked about yep. and it looks yep. like that could be what's reflecting in this yes. ca- taxi cab yeah and yeah. just the, again the composition the way yeah. he's just sliced this perfect yeah. rectangle it's just, out yeah. of a much wider scene. It's amazing,
0: <laughs> right? And then you got kind of the taxi, which is very interesting. They're not just yellow caps, which we're, what we're used to, right, in New York City, mm-hmm. modern New York. They actually have some red on the on the hood. Yeah, and the chrome—they um, had a lot more cool. interesting detail. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that's a that's an awesome, fantastic picture. Yeah. Really? So yeah, yeah. no. Um, yeah, what a great book! It just inspires me to <laughs> to go back through again. Um, so I'm very glad that I, I invested in it. I know these books are sometimes not not inexpensive. I, I think this one is somewhat reasonable on Amazon if I remember I believe correctly. So. Yeah, but, and it's, um, it's nicely
1: printed. I think it's definitely yep. a good one if some, someone's getting into photo books. Yeah, and I think Ernst Haas doesn't desert, uh, get enough credit for being one of the the true early pioneers of color photography. Yep. Uh, yep. as much as other, you know, no. like, n- not to take anything away from him because I also love right. the work of William Eggleston, but right. he shot a lot more in the 60s and 70s. Much whereas later. Have, really. Yeah, I I Ernst mean, was yeah. Mm-hmm. 40s, 50s, and then you've got people like uh, Jacques-Henri Lartigue who are using color much yep. earlier, and even yep. William All- Allard, for example. There's a lot more earlier photographers who used color quite successfully, yep. uh, and Ernst Haas was, I think, amongst the best of them.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, his his work. I mean, even and you alluded to it, like the his his motion blur work. Obviously, par- in part he did that because the the film was was so slow. I think mm-hmm. you know twelve uh, IS, as ASA of twenty five or ISO so either, of twenty five. Yeah. So so naturally he he probably had had to do it sometimes, or it it just was blurry because he he had to to expose the image correctly. Had to use longer shutter speeds, but. Even when you, when you look again at his web, that one website, Ernst-Haas.com, um, you know, his some of his landscape work, like intimate landscapes, it's just unbelievable. And also his portraiture, um, which yeah. is also not probably as well known, but um, yeah, really fantastic body of work. I don't, he, he died, yeah, well, I try to remember now when he died, but I think he wasn't, I think he was in his 60s, if I remember right. So he wasn't mm-hmm. that old, but um, yeah.
1: Yeah, and he's, I think he is a good example for anyone who ends up wanting to read more about him of someone who who really balanced that spectrum that I was talking about earlier yep. of, of shooting for himself and then also yep. shooting for assignments because he started yep. off shooting uh, journalistic work and yep. photo essays and then yep. he reached a point where like many artists who who only do that, get sick of it another example being sergio lorraine one of my favorite photographers who stopped stopped doing uh work for magnum even Hmm. to focus on his own stuff but ernst haas successfully kind of balanced doing assignments and then doing personal experimental stuff and then he even had successful campaigns like one of those famous marlboro ads i think and Mm -hmm. shooting for even calendars and things like that yeah and but but then he still had a very uh, personal body of work, like the stuff in this book.
0: Yep, yep, yeah. Thanks for bringing it back to to our topic. Oh that's no worries. What I, <laughs> I, 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 I meant to I do that, it. but you, thanks Sorry. for doing that for me. Um, no, that that's great because yeah, exactly. This is in part why we we wanted to focus on uh, on him as one example, right? Where you, you it, it's almost in some ways we could argue it, it blurs with you know what he it could have been assi- some of this stuff obviously could be assignment work clearly is very artistic throughout um but um it it also seems like he you know and that i'm obviously not his biographer so i don't have all the details but i just by looking at this work i would agree that i i think he must have done a lot of this you know with with this vision in mind and then for himself initially i i presume right and and kind of because he saw something right he saw this reflection he saw these patterns and and you know so it's just yeah it's very inspiring i think to to look at i know a lot of people talk about this and you know get photo books and you know obviously it doesn't mean we have to buy the photo books we can also right we can look look up work online that's why i brought up the you know the website or you know i yep. think it's it um pinterest sometimes so you know it's it's mm-hmm. nice to have the book but it's not it's not of course a requirement at all um no yeah. i mean if it, it means not seeing the work otherwise
1: then definitely see it however you can
0: yep yeah exactly and you mentioned um just um to to almost wrap it up um um Hashim, you mentioned um there is another smaller book uh, by him as uh, well yeah so this one is it's just called ernst haas
1: it's a small okay. book by uh it's in a series called photophile which is okay. spelled photo and then f-i-l-e file so it's one word and i'm sure if you were to look that up anyone listening uh f- photophile uh, Ernst Haas, you will find uh, this book. But there's also a series, I think, where they're almost like little biographies and the book itself is only, I don't know, seven by four inches. And it's uh, it's got plenty of his color work, even some black and white. And the first uh, few pages is a bit of a mini biography on him. So I think it makes for a good little introduction if you want something more accessible. It's a, it's a lot mm. cheaper, I think, than the larger book. Okay.
0: Oh that's great yeah that's great yeah. well good um well i think um with that um yeah i wanna wanna just thank you uh so much for you know for taking the time and and for speaking with me um on on this on this very interesting topic i think it's a um you know going back to our original topic obviously the you know the The issues around are we shooting for ourselves, photograph for ourselves, for others, and you know what you know what what does that potentially mean for us, (laughs) which is a Mm. it's a challenging topic as well. But I think it's 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 something very interesting to think about. And so yeah, thanks for the also inspiration on on this topic as well. So
1: definitely. And uh thank you, Daniel.
0: It's my pleasure as always. All right. Well, I'm sure we'll be in touch, and uh, so we'll, we'll talk to you soon. All right, looking forward to it. Thanks, Daniel. All right, this wraps up our episode with Hashim McAdam. I hope you enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun talking to him and hearing about his opinion about authenticity, and also we talked, of course, about Ernst Haas, so I hope you enjoyed it as well. And we'll have links in the show notes, as always. And again, thanks to our sponsors from Zencaster.com for sponsoring this episode. And you can find information about them as well in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening and talk to you next time.